0: Stepping Heavenward by E. Prentice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Anna Christensen. Stepping Heavenward by E. Prentice. Chapter sixteen. October. We are all at home together once more. The parting with mother was very painful. Every year that she lives now increases her loneliness, and makes me long to give her the shelter of my home. But in the midst of these anxieties, how much I have to make me happy. Little Ernest is the life and soul of the house. The sound of his feet pattering about, and all his prattle, are the sweetest music to my ear. And his heart is brimful of love and joy, so that he shines on us all like a sunbeam baby is improving every day and is one of those tender clinging little things that appeal to everybody's love and sympathy i never saw a more angelic face than hers father sits by the hour looking at her Today he said daughter Catherine, this lovely little one is not meant for this sinful world the world needs to be adorned with lovely little ones i said and baby was never so well as she is now do not set your heart too fondly upon her he returned i feel that she is far too dear to me but father we could give her to god if he should ask for her surely we love him better than we love her but as i spoke a sharp pang shot through and through my soul and i held my little fair daughter closely in my arms as if i could always keep her there it may be my conceit but it really does seem as if poor father was getting a little fond of me ever since my own sickness i have felt a great sympathy for him and he feels no doubt that i give him something that neither ernest nor martha can do since they were never sick one day in their lives i do wish he could look more at christ and at what he has done and is doing for us the way of salvation is to me a wide path absolutely radiant with the glory of him who shines upon it i see my shortcomings I see my sins, but I feel myself bathed, as it were, in the effulgent glow that proceeds directly from the throne of God and the Lamb. It seems as if I ought to have some misgivings about my salvation, but I can hardly say that I have one. How strange, how mysterious that is. And here is Father, so much older, so much better than I am, creeping along in the dark. I spoke to Ernest about it. He says I owe it to my training, in a great measure, and that my mother is fifty years in advance of her age. But it can't be all that. It was only after years of struggle and prayer that God gave me this joy. November 24th Ernest asked me yesterday if I knew that Amelia and her husband had come here to live, and that she was very ill. I wish you would go to see her, dear, he added. She is a stranger here, and in great need of a friend. I felt extremely disturbed. I have lost my old affection for her, and the idea of meeting her husband was unpleasant. Is she very, sick? I asked. Yes, she is completely broken down. I promised her that you should go to see her. Are you attending her? Yes, her husband came for me himself. I don't want to go, I said. It will be very disagreeable. Yes, dear, I know it. But she needs a friend, as I said before. I put on my things very reluctantly, and went. I found Amelia in a richly furnished house, but looking untidy and ill-cared for. She was lying on a couch in her bedroom. Three delicate-looking children were playing about, and their nurse sat sewing at the window. A terrible fit of coughing made it impossible for her to speak for some moments. At last she recovered herself sufficiently to welcome me, by throwing her arms around me and bursting into tears. "'Oh, Katie!' she cried should you have known me if you had met in the street don't you find me sadly altered you are changed i said but so am i yes you do not look strong but then you never did and you are as pretty as ever while i-oh kate do you remember what round white arms i used to have look at them now and she drew up her sleeve poor child just then i heard a step in the passage and her husband sauntered into the room smoking do go away charles she said impatiently you know how your cigars set me coughing he held out his hand to me with the easy nonchalant air of one who was accustomed to success and popularity i looked at him with an aversion i could not conceal the few years since we met has changed him so completely that i almost shuddered at the sight of his already bloated face and at the air that told of a life worse than wasted do go away charles amelia repeated he threw himself into a chair without paying the least attention to her, and still addressing himself to me again, said, "'Upon my word, you are prettier than ever,' and, "'I will come again to see you at another time, Amelia,' I said, putting on all the dignity I could condense in my small frame, and rising to take leave. "'Don't go, Katie,' he cried, starting up. "'Don't go. I want to have a good talk about old times.' "'Katy, indeed. How dared he!' I came away burning with anger and mortification is it possible that i ever loved such a man that to gratify that love i defied and grieved my dear mother through a whole year oh from what hopeless misery god saved me when he snatched me out of the depth of my folly december first ernest says i can go to see amelia with safety now as her husband has sprained his ankle and keeps to his own room so i am going to her but I am sure I shall say something imprudent or unwise, and I wish I could think it right to stay away. I hope God will go with me and teach me what words to speak. December 2nd. I found Amelia more unwell than on my first visit, and she received me again with tears. "'How good you are to come again so soon!' she began. "'I did not blame you for running off the other day. Charlie's impertinence was shameful. He said after you left—' that he perceived you had not yet lost your quickness to take offence. But I know he felt that you showed a just displeasure, and nothing more. No, I was really angry, I replied. I find the road to perfection lies uphill, and I slip back so often that sometimes I despair of ever reaching the top. What does the doctor say about me? she asked. Does he think me very sick? I dare say he will tell you exactly what he thinks, I returned, if you ask him this is his rule with all his patients if i could get rid of this cough i should soon be myself again she said some days i feel quite bright and well but if it were not for my poor little children i should not care much how the thing ended (sighs) with the life charlie leads me i haven't much to look forward to you forget that the children's nurse is in the room i whispered oh i don't mind charlotte charlotte knows he neglects me don't you charlotte charlotte was discreet enough to pretend not to hear this question and amelia went on it began very soon after we were married he would go round with other girls exactly as he did before then when i spoke about it he would just laugh in his easy good-natured way but pay no attention to my wishes then when i grew more in earnest he would say that as long as he let me alone i ought to let him alone i thought that when our first baby came that would sober him a little but he wanted a boy and it turned out to be a girl and my being unhappy and crying so much made the poor thing fretful it kept him awake at night so we took another room after that i saw him less than ever though now and then he would have a little love fit when he would promise to be at home more and treat me with more consideration we had two more little girls twins and then a boy charlie seemed quite fond of him and did certainly seem improved though he was still out a great deal with a set of idle young men smoking drinking wine and i don't know what else HIS UNCLE GAVE HIM TOO MUCH MONEY, AND HE HAD NOTHING TO DO BUT TO SPEND IT. YOU MUST NOT TELL ME ANY MORE NOW, I SAID. WAIT TILL YOU ARE STRONGER. THE NURSE ROSE AND GAVE HER SOMETHING WHICH SEEMED TO REFRESH HER. I WENT TO LOOK AT THE LITTLE GIRLS, WHO WERE ALL PRETTY, PALE-FACED CREATURES, VERY QUIET AND MATURE IN THEIR WAYS. I AM RESTED NOW, SAID AMELIA, AND IT DOES ME GOOD TO TALK TO YOU, BECAUSE I CAN SEE THAT YOU ARE SORRY FOR ME. I AM INDEED, I CRIED when our little boy was three months old i took this terrible cold and began to cough charlie at first remonstrated with me for coughing so much he said it was a habit i had got and that i ought to cure myself of it then the baby began to pine and pine and the more it wasted the more i wasted and at last it died here the poor child burst out again and i wiped away her tears as fast as they fell thankful that she could cry after that she went on after a while charlie seemed to lose his last particle of affection for me he kept away more than ever and once when i besought him not to neglect me and my children so he said he was well paid for not keeping up his engagement with you that you had some strength of character and- amelia i interrupted do not repeat such things they only pain and mortify me well she sighed wearily this is what he has at last brought me to i am sick and broken-hearted and care very little what becomes of me there was a long silence. I wanted to ask her if, when earthly refuge failed her, she could not find shelter in the love of Christ. But I have what is, I fear, a morbid terror of seeking the confidence of others. I knelt down at last and kissed the poor faded face. Yes, I knew you would feel for me, she said. The only pleasant thought I had when Charlie insisted on coming here to live was that I should see you. Does your uncle live here too? I asked. Yes, he came first, and it was that that put it into Charlie's head to come. He is very kind to me. Yes, I said, and God is kind too, isn't he? Kind to let me get sick and disgust Charlie? Now, Katie, how can you talk so? I replied by repeating two lines from a hymn of which I am very fond. O oh, Savior, whose mercy is severe in its kindness, has chastened my wanderings and guided my way. Oh, I don't care much for him, she said. When one is well and everything goes quite to one's mind, it is nice to go to church and sing with the rest of them. But, sick as I am, it isn't so easy to be religious. But isn't this the very time to look to Christ for comfort? What's the use of looking anywhere for comfort, she said peevishly? Wait till you are sick and heartbroken yourself, and you'll see that you won't feel much like doing anything but just groan and cry your life out. I have been sick, and I know what sorrow means, I said, and I am glad that I do, for I learned Christ in that school, and I know that he can comfort when no one else can. (sighs) You always were an odd creature, she replied. I never pretended to understand half you said. I saw that she was tired and came away. Oh, how I wish that I had been able to make Christ look to her as he did to me all the way home. December 24th father says he does not like dr cabot's preaching he thinks that it is not doctrinal enough and that he does not preach enough to sinners but i can see that it has influenced him already and that he is beginning to think of god as manifested in christ far more than he used to do with me he has endless discussions on his and my favorite subjects and though i can never tell along what path i walk to reach certain conclusions the earnestness of my convictions does impress him strangely I am sure there is a great deal of conceit mixed up with all that I say, and then when I compare my life with my own standard of duty, I wonder I ever dare to open my mouth and undertake to help others. Baby is not at all well. To see a little, frail, tender thing, really suffering, tears my soul to pieces. I think it would distress me less to give her to God just as she is now, a vital part of my very heart, than to see her live a mere, invalid life. But I try to feel, as I know I say, Thy will be done. Little Ernest is the very picture of health and beauty. He has vitality enough for two children. He and his little sister will make very interesting contrasts as they grow older. His ardor and vivacity will rouse her, and her gentleness will soften him. January 1st, 1841 Every day brings its own duty and its own discipline. How is it that I make such slow progress while this is the case? It is a marvel to me why God allows characters like mine to defile his church. I can only account for it with the thought that if I am ever perfected, I shall be a great honor to his name, for surely worse material for building up a temple of the Holy Ghost was never gathered together before. The time may come when those who know me now, crude, childish, incomplete, will look upon me with amazement, saying, What hath God wrought? If I knew such a time would never come, I should want to flee into the holes and caves of the earth. I have everything to inspire me to devotion. My dear mother's influence is always upon me. To her I owe the habit of flying to God in every emergency, and of believing in prayer. Then I am in close fellowship with a true man and a true Christian. Ernest has none of my fluctuations. He is always calm and self-possessed. This is partly his natural character. But he has studied the Bible more than any other book. His convictions of duty are fixed because they are drawn thence, and his constant contact with the sick and the suffering has revealed life to him just as it is. How he has helped me on! God bless him for it! Then I have James. To be with him one half hour is an inspiration. He lives in such blessed communion with Christ that he is in perpetual sunshine, and his happiness fertilizes even this disordered household. There is not a soul in it that does not catch somewhat of his joyousness. And there are my children, my darling, precious children. For their sakes I am continually constrained to seek after an amended, a sanctified life. What I want them to become, I must become myself. So I enter on a new year, not knowing what it will bring forth, but surely with a thousand reasons for thanksgiving, for joy, and for hope. January 16th. One more desperate effort to make harmony out of the discords of my house, and one more failure. Ernest forgot that it was our wedding day, which mortified and pained me, especially as he had made an engagement to dine out. I am always expecting something from life that I never get. Is it so with everybody? I am very uneasy, too, about James. He seems to be growing fond of Lucy's society. I am perfectly sure that she could not make him happy. Is it possible that he does not know what a brilliant young man he is, and that he can have whom he pleases? It is easy, in theory, to let God plan our own destiny, and that of our friends, but when it comes to a specific case, we fancy we can help his judgments with our poor reason. Well, I must go to him with this new anxiety, and trust my darling brother's future to him, if I can. I shall try to win James' confidence. If it is not Lucy, who or what is it that makes him so thoughtful and serious yet so wondrously happy january seventeenth i have been trying to find out whether this is a mere notion of mine about lucy james laughs and evades my questions but he owns that a very serious matter is occupying his thoughts of which he does not wish to speak at present may god bless him in it whatever it is may first my delicate little una's first birthday Thank God for sparing her to us a year. If he should take her away, I should still rejoice that this life was mingled with ours and has influenced them. Yes, even an unconscious infant is an ever-felt influence in the household. What an amazing thought! I have given this precious little one away to our savior and to mine. Living or dying, she is his. December 13th writing journals does not seem to be my mission on earth of late my busy hands find so much else to do and sometimes when i have been particularly exasperated and tried by the daring elements that form my home i have not dared to indulge myself with recording things that ought to be forgotten how i long to live in peace with all men and how i resent interference in the management of my children if the time ever comes that i live a spinster of a certain age in the family of an elder brother what a model of forbearance charity and sisterly loving-kindness i shall be End of chapter 16.